When I ended last week, we were talking about, we started in Acts 3, and we talked about the, the uh, man that was brought before the temple. He said he had never walked from birth, and they continued to bring him to the temple. And when Peter and John came by, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. In Jesus' name, rise up and walk. And that man that had never walked in all those years said he got up and he jumped and he danced and he praised the Lord. What a, what a great story. And, and then yet last week, going into, after we read about that and we talked about some of that stuff, we went into Acts 4 where the apostles now are in trouble with the Sanhedrin and they're like, what are you doing and whose name are you doing this in? And uh, Peter gave him quite a rebuke, saying, hey, you guys, the one that you crucified, the one that you tried to take out, or did take out, it's in his name because he came back to life again. And he could do the same for you if you would just submit to him. And, and so I'm kind of summarizing, and that's my editorial, that's not scripture, but so that's kind of where we're picking up. Remember, they got put in jail overnight, then they came out and they started to talk to them. And Peter then gave them those words, and then he left it in the last verse saying that there is no other name under heaven that man must be. It has to be through the name of Jesus that you can be saved. So here we pick up in Acts 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Can I just make one note there? These were the apostles, Peter and John. These were these ordinary men, unschooled men. Anyhow, verse 14. But since they could see that the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Every living, or everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. I think they still had a hard time at that point calling it a miracle. Verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. <laughs> you know, they were with this Jesus that had taught and what we read in Romans 13 that you submit to the authorities that are over you. But hey, they understood there was one final authority, and that was their Savior, Jesus. So I don't think they were trying to be obstinate. I think they were just trying to bring some order to it there. Uh, verse 20, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And further threats, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed 
was over 40 years old. I just want to correct. I think I told you last week, 38. I got my stories a little mixed up. That was the man at the Pool of Bethesda, if I remember. This man was over 40. Verse 23, and here's where we really are going to dig in, starting here and throughout the rest. Uh, our verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, and they said, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings and the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one or Messiah. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will has decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I don't know about you, but if you don't have something moving inside of you that's getting you a little bit excited, check your pulse, would you? Something should be stirring in us when we read words like this. The early church was a praying church. I hope the latter church today is still a praying church. Amen? In the book of Acts, prayer is mentioned 30 times. Now, we all know that it's easier to hear a sermon about prayer than to actually pray. But we got to get beyond that. So what I want to try to do is just look at, I have five things that I want to try to look at in this passage, basically starting in verse 23 through 31, that I just want to talk about regarding prayer. And first, I just want us to talk about, let's look at this. Who, who is this that is praying? And it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. On their release from prison, they went back to their own people, the scripture says. They went back to, I would say, the church. They went back to, you know, the writer doesn't tell us that they went and sought out the other apostles. It doesn't say that. It said he went back to their own people. They went back to their friends and to me, the church. That's where they went back. So here's a point that I want you to take and get in your head, write down whatever it needs to be for you to remember. But prayer is done by ordinary Christians. Prayer is not just done by the apostles. Prayer is not just done by only the leaders. Prayer is done, and when prayer is done, and it's done really effective, it's done by us, the ordinary people. 
Prayer is an activity that is a doable thing for every Christian. Have you noticed that there's no gift of prayer? All Christians, listen, whether you've been saved for, for five minutes or 65 years, you have the ability to talk to God in prayer. You have that ability. That's, it's for every one of us. It's not just for a special select group. It's for all of us. So when the opportunity comes along to pray, we should do all that we can to seize it. And if there is no opportunity, then we should try to create an opportunity where we get together and we pray. And that's what we actually do that in our church. We have prayer meeting every Sunday morning. <laughs> Well, we do every Sunday morning. If you want to come in, if you want to come to these altars every Sunday morning before service and bow your knee, it's available. I am having the hardest time with this, my ear today. With the microphone on my ear, I should say. But every Tuesday, we have a prayer meeting. Every Wednesday, we're having prayer meetings. We're doing our best to try to create something so that you can seize a time and come in and pray. And I'm sure with you and family or friends, you're maybe even having other times where you get together and you pray with each other and you come together. Let's do what we can and, and seize whatever opportunity there is. And if you can't seem to seize it, we're trying to create it so you can make the attempt to seize that time of prayer. It's important because every one of us have something to pour into this. So look for the opportunity. Seize it. Number two, when did they pray? I want to look at verses 23 and 29 again. On their release, they went back right to their own people and they began to pray. And in verse 29, now the Lord, now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Notice the occasion that they were praying these prayers. What was the occasion? Opposition. They were told not to do this. Peter and John had been threatened and commanded by the religious leaders to not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And I love their first reaction as the believers, as the Christians in that day, their first reaction was, pray. <laughs> We're going to pray about this. We're going to pray regarding these obstacles that they're trying to put up against us because we know what he's told us to do. We know what he's encouraging us to do. And so we're gonna pray and we're gonna get strong and we're gonna be able to do what he's asked us to do. And, and after their first reaction was to pray, that, obs that obstacle, that, that thing began to not concern them at all. See, a lot of our first and natural reaction, I think a lot of time is anger. That would be mine. I'd be ticked. If I was in that position and they told me, you can't do this, and, and knowing what they knew and knowing what they were doing. Hey, we just read in, earlier in chapter 4 last week, 5,000 people were coming to Christ because of their teaching. 5,000 people in the city were moving, were accepting this message of Jesus Christ. But the Sanhedrin was fighting against them and telling them, no, we can't have this. We already squelched it once. We're going to have to squelch it again. But Peter and John saying, you can't squelch this. 
because this is our Lord doing his work and you can't keep it down. And you can, you know, and if I would have reacted like I probably would in anger or self-pity or whatever it may have been, that accomplishes absolutely nothing, right? All I do is make myself miserable. But as believers, as those that call Christ our Lord and Savior, we need to realize that when the pressure is applied, the power of God, when we rely upon it, becomes more powerful, becomes greater power because we're relying on what we can't do anymore. We're relying on the one that can do that. In our weakness, he becomes strong, right? We become stronger because of him. Let me... I read this the other day, and there was a pastor that I was reading some stuff that he did, and he put this illustration out. This guy's name was Gordon Curley. And I'm not saying he created it. I'm just saying this is where I got this resource from. And he was writing, Northeastern cod is popular throughout the United States. And it's really popular because a lot of it comes from the northeast of the United States, but he was saying, in these areas that are the farthest away from the Northeast, they still like this cod. You know, it's something that they can eat. But the, the public demand posed a problem for those that had to ship this cod. How could they get the cod to the marketplace without it losing its flavor? The shippers tried various methods. At first, the cod were frozen, then shipped. But that reduced much of the flavor. So they experimented with shipping the cod alive in tanks of seawater. But surprisingly, that was even worse. It was actually a disaster for the way that they wanted it to go. The cod lost its flavor, and it became soft, and it became mushy. So finally, after trial and error, the problem was solved. Now listen to this. The codfish were placed into a tank. Even though they had already did that, but they added something to the tank. They added catfish to it. Catfish is a natural enemy to codfish, from what I understand. And from the time that the cod left the East Coast till it reached its destination, the catfish was chasing it and the cod was moving all over the tank. And when the cod had arrived to the market, they were as fresh as when they were caught. There was no loss of flavor, nor was their, in, their texture affected. And if anything, they said, it may have even been a little bit better. Wacky story, right? Why are you bringing that up here? Well, let me bring it in. I, I believe each of us as believers, as Christians, are, are in a tank of particular circumstances. We all have our circumstances that we're dealing with. And it can be painful enough to just stay in the tank, but then there's these catfish that are in there too. Do you think sometimes there's some God-appointed catfish in your life? I tend to think so. The job is to bring sufficient tension that keeps us alive and alert and fresh and growing. It's all part of God's plan to shape our character so we will become more like Jesus. 
You know, early this month, Pastor Pat kicked this whole thing off. We were praying for the persecuted church on the very first week. And I just want to bring that back to your attention today. There are people living all over this globe that are being persecuted and tortured and held captive because of the name of Jesus Christ. And they will not renounce that name because they know there's power in that name. And the more that they do it, we heard in that video that still just excites me every time I hear it. Lord, don't remove the persecution from us. Give us the strength to withstand in the time of persecution. I'm afraid we've become none of us want persecution. None of us go out desiring or looking for persecution. But I also read in the word that says, you know what? If you call on my name, if you have made me Lord, it's coming. Be ready, it's gonna come in whatever form, whatever tank of circumstances you may find yourself in. There is that catfish, I believe in that. And you know, I think we've just become a little bit too comfortable in our lifestyle and in the way. And unfortunately, I do think the church here in the West has got to a point where we make the church more about us then we make it about Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We pray for comfort. We pray for all this relief. You know, I'm not sure if that's the right way for us to be praying. I think the right way for us is to, Lord, make us to be able to withstand whatever you bring in our path. The prayer was prayed during a time of opposition. Not only would the message of Jesus Christ spread, but his church, his people, they grew stronger through the difficulties that they had. Third point I want to make is when they prayed, who they prayed to, verses 24 through 28. We're going to look at that section. In verse 24, they praised God for the fact that he is the creator of all things. They said, Sovereign Lord, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They reminded themselves of uh, that they were trusting in a God of creation, the one who produced this universe and all of its, how enormous is the universe? We, We can't comprehend it, not in our minds. But in all of this enormous effect of our creation and all the creative details, he just spoke it. And they knew that. And they knew that this was the same God that had to work out these situations that they were in the middle of. Yeah, these leaders may have said that, but God, we know that you're greater than that. And we know how powerful it is. We're seeing what's going on. And we're going to continue to praise your name. We're going to continue to speak your name. No matter the opposition they may tell us. Because we saw you rise from the dead. And come back to life. And I can't deny that. I saw that. They said they saw that with their own eyes. And they were continuing to preach that. And teach that. And they couldn't help but get that message out. They were focusing on the attributes and the characters of the God that they prayed to. They aren't only praising God for declaring his glory, they're reminding their own hearts that he is the kind of God who can do anything, including answering their prayers. 
And then in verses 27 through 28, they praise God because he alone is the one who is ruler of all. They're quoting Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2, when you read there in verses 25 and 26, that's actually Psalm 1 and 2. And that's a reminder that even God's enemies and opponents are subject to him. You know, that's still true today. That's still true today. It may seem like wicked people may be winning at certain things. I don't know if you've ever sat back and looked at it and you maybe even questioned God a little bit. Why? Why, God? Why do these evil ones seem to win? I think the the writer here was using the example of how evil men schemed together and they killed Jesus. They did. Seemed like they won, didn't they, in killing Jesus? But what's the rest of the story? The rest of the story is we know that he went into that grave, but he came back out of it. And he came out victorious. And actually, he spent 40 days uh, visiting and showing, and hundreds of people saw him. They knew what they knew, and that could not be taken away from them. What do you know? We know that he is powerful and he is mighty. And that he will work in this. And let's remember that as you take time to pray. Remember how the Lord taught us to do that at the beginning. uh, Or through the uh, Lord's Prayer. That at the beginning of that prayer, we should be praising his name. His name should be hallowed. His name should be exalted. His name should be praised. That's where you should be spending a lot of time in your prayer. Is talking to him and reminding yourself of who he is. What a beautiful name he has. That name that's above every other name. So in verse 29 and 30, we'll go to our fourth point here. What was asked? O Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They asked God for two things in Jesus' name. First, that God would give them courage and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Have you asked the Lord in prayer for that? You know, I I have to admit, there's a lot of times I get out and, yeah, I want to be this better witness. I want to be this better example and I want to share Christ. But you know, sometimes I forget the precursor to it because I'm not strong enough in myself to do that. I need some help, but through my spirit, the spirit that is in me, right? I was baptized. I repented of my sins. I was baptized. And he said, you'll be filled with his spirit. I have his spirit. But you know what? Sometimes I have to call on him and say, Lord, I need you to renew that. I need you to strengthen that. That should be my daily work is letting that come up inside of me. Second, they asked that God would do miraculous things. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders so that the name of Jesus Christ will be lifted up. So that his name, they didn't want the signs and wonders so everybody could like, oh, remember we talked about that last week too. Peter basically stood up and said, you think that we have the power to heal this man? That's not That's not me or John. We don't have that strength. We don't have that ability to do that. It's only in the name of Jesus that this man is able to dance and sing and jump around. 
That's the only way you're going to have the strength to be able to take this message and go out into the marketplace, into this world, into the places that we are in our neighborhoods and whatever else. And we need that strength of his name. They pray that their enemies and opponents of Jesus will see signs and wonders and discover the truth of who he is. Oh Lord, whatever we do, whoever we witness to, whoever we speak with, whoever we're talking to about you, Lord, let them not see us, let them see Jesus in me. The hope of glory that we all have. And then the fifth thing that I want to take, my last point that I want to bring to you this morning. The results that followed. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. I don't think our goal should be to get together to pray to have the Lord's Spirit come down and shake this place. I think it would be really cool if it did. Don't get me wrong, that would be something we'd all be talking about. But that shouldn't be the purpose, right? It just said that when they were doing that, his spirit came in and it did shake. But they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. You know, that happened multiple times. It says in in chapter 3 and chapter 4 multiple times that when Peter got up to speak, the Holy Spirit gave him strength. It came upon him and gave him a strength that he didn't just normally operate in every day of the week. It says that the Holy Spirit then came in and empowered him. The point that I want to make today is that we need to be filled with this Spirit. We have to be filled if we're going to be the example, if we're going to be the witness, if we're going to be able to stand up in the times of struggle and pain and when the the persecution does come, whatever type of persecution comes, that we'll be able to stand up underneath that because His Spirit is flowing in us so much that we can't help but talk about Him. They didn't do anything that was so miraculous for this man, right? When they said silver or gold, I don't have, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. And that's Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.18 encourages us. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The way I understand it, that if you take the Greek text and you take that be filled, the Greek for that being be filled is actually a continuous, like a present tense, meaning be continually filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's not a one and done, y'all. We have to continually be filled. The only way I could say it that makes at least sense to my mind and in the way that I, I, when I talk and do things is we leak. (laughs) I leak all the time because I let stuff get in and it begins to pressure me and it begins, and things I, all I, all I can say is I leak. But you know, I want 
The gift that he has given is that we can be continually filled on a regular basis. You need to get into a place where you are regularly getting into his presence and continually being filled by his presence. It's not good to just come in on a Sunday and think by the time you get here next week, you're gonna be good through the week. No way. Because I'm almost pretty, I'm pretty darn certain by the time you hit the doorway walking out, things are already starting to line up. Because if we're saying, Lord, I want to be, I want to be all that you've created me to be. I want to be stronger in you. I want to be that one that can stand up under that pressure and not have to worry because your spirit has filled me. It has strengthened me. And I'm going to be ready to stand up just like those men did there. And then the rest of the church that joined around, they prayed. They prayed together. The ordinary people began to pray together. And they continually sought the Lord. And that infilling of his spirit was there. And it continually worked inside of them. You know, they had the same type of problems that we have today. They had their regular daily issues. Even back in the first century church. Now their issues were different. Their problems maybe were a little bit different. But... Being that they were people, I think we can understand. We got problems that are coming at us all the time. An ordinary Christian person attending service today, you can pray. And you can have him fill you with his spirit. Now, let me say this. You have to make him Lord of your life. You have to give him everything. Jesus Christ came to this world that we would have a savior. You know, we're not good enough. We're not strong enough. We can't do it on our own. We can't earn our way to that place of heaven. We have to give ourselves to him. We have to completely give ourselves to him and accept him as our Lord. And that's what he did through that sacrifice on the cross. And if you've never admitted that, you've never seen that, and you've never called him or told him that, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. I need you to come into my life to help me out, to get through this thing, because this world is kicking my tail. This world is greater than I am, is more strong than I am in my own self. That's right where he wants you to be, to be able to admit that, because then what he will say is, all you have to do is call on me, upon me. Don't confess with your mouth that he's Lord. Believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead. And he said, you can be saved. That can be yours today. Can you stand and pray with me? Father, right now we come before you, Lord, and if there's anybody that's in this house or anybody that's online that is listening to this and they have never made you the Lord of their life. Today, Lord, we call out to you and we say, Father, continue to work in their heart, continue to move in them. Lord, let them be able to make that public profession to you that they need you, that they would like to come to you, that they need a savior because they are a sinner and they fail and they come up short and Lord, short of you coming in and filling them up, they can't do this on their own. So Lord, I ask that you minister to them right now. 
go before them, and we just thank you, Lord God, for your word and for the truth of it and for, for them coming to a place that they can accept you. Lord God, we just ask that you would draw hearts, draw these lives so that, Lord God, they could come to you and accept you and make them, make you their Lord and Savior today. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. But Lord, we live in this world today. And Lord, I wanna pray for everyone that's in this house today. That Lord God, we're the ordinary, the daily living out this Christ in us. Lord, I ask that you would help us to quit making it more about us and all about you. Oh, Lord God, I ask that you would begin to let all that boldness begin to well up, that your Holy Spirit begin to move in each and every life that's in this house, that's online, that's listening. Lord, you said greater is he that is in us than he that's in this world. That, Father, we would commit our lives, we'd commit our ways. We would commit to praying, Lord God, no matter what the circumstances seem to be coming at us. Lord, Oh, we see that this virus thing is taking its toll in this state of Michigan. Father, we lift up your name. We lift up your name, and I ask that you would strengthen your people to stand strong and have confidence and peace and know that you are in control, that, Lord God, you will help us through this time. Oh, and I ask that you touch our brothers and our sisters that are attached to this congregation. Lord, these are our family members. Lord, we ask that you speak healing into their life. We ask that you would speak wholeness into their life. We ask that you would begin to release them, Lord God, from this thing that would hold them captive. Oh, Lord God, we speak the name of Jesus to it right now. And Lord God, anybody else that's in this house today, that Lord God, I don't want anybody walking away from this place feeling that they are less than capable of being able to stand strong in your name, to speak your name as the, as the people were praying that, Lord, you would help them to speak boldly, to speak boldly the name of Jesus. Lord, that we would never be ashamed of that precious name, that powerful, that mighty name that brings healing. Oh, God, that, that powerful opportunity that we have in Jesus to be strong, to see signs, to see wonders. Equip your people right now, Lord God. Equip your people. Strengthen them, empower them. And Lord, help them to call upon your name this day and all that they do. Lord God, that they would seize every opportunity they can to pray to you, to praise you, to honor you, to hold your name in such a hallowed place that it deserves, Lord God. Oh, it begin to do a work in our lives and begin to change our actions. It would begin to change our hearts and how we operate in our local communities, oh Lord God. Empower them, strengthen them, and fill them this day through your Holy Spirit to overflowing. Lord God, not a cup half full. Oh no, Lord God, not a cup that is waning it all, but Lord, a cup that is filled to overflowing. Let them have an overflowing spirit in them. I ask it in your precious, your mighty, and your holy name today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.